0: If you're into watches and you don't know our next guest today, you've obviously been living under a rug. Nico Leonard has exploded onto the watch scene over the last few years, selling tens of millions of pounds worth of watches and quickly becoming the most followed watch expert of all time. But it hasn't always been easy for Nico, and he's had some pretty heart-wrenching times. This is going to be a hell of an episode. So sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy this.
1: Getting money. Get money. One for the money. $350 twist. Zorik, 23. Two for the show. Did get
0: ready? Welcome to Mavericks, Nico. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on. I want to. I want to start by just talking a little bit about your background. Yeah. Um, grew up in Amsterdam. Massively into football. Like, tell me about it. Normal school. Normal hobbies. Uh,
1: not really. You know, um, I was a kid that um, was relatively young. Diagnosed at the age of four with ADHD, and I wasn't really like like it wasn't really normal. I moved to schools quite regularly. I think I had for three or four primary schools. A lot of people don't know this, actually. Funny. And then I went uh, in the school for special education, basically. And um, I think it was 10 or 11 because I was just, I had too much energy. I think that that was the problem. Or I was absolutely bored. So um, it was quite weird because at that age, you don't realize that. Looking back now, you realize what was going on. Uh, I just had to move schools. I just remember teachers being angry at me all the time. What, what was it like growing up in Amsterdam? Unbelievable. Okay. I, I have a great childhood and I have a lot of fun and playing on the street, playing football on the street every day because that's what we were doing, right? I grew up in a time where the first Nintendo was there and video games and whatever and I remember that well. My sister, she's nine years older than me, she had the first ever Nintendo and nah, listen, I had a great childhood and uh, but we were always outside playing football, football uh, was football
0: your, your kind of first passion
1: yes that was my first love because that really um, allowed me to be different like at, at, the, at that age you don't realise that you're either hyperactive or people find you annoying I just always had the feeling that no one accepted me but the first time that people accepted me was when I had a ball on my feet because all of a sudden I was chosen first in a, in a group you know and I want to play football with him where that a in previous scenarios in school, it was completely different. Do you, you have a
0: good relationship with your parents? Or
1: not? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're mega. They're, they're unfortunately both very ill. It's really weird and really sad, but I uh, love them to bits. And I'm living in a different country now than, than they are. And it's uh, it's difficult, but um, yeah, I love them to bits. I, uh, like my parents pulled me through and always stood up for me um, in schools, etc., uh, to help them understand what was going on. Yeah, yeah. So, so,
0: so, growing up, um, growing up in Amsterdam, um, and then you moved to Northern Ireland. Like, What was yeah.
1: that? Why did you move out? Why
0: was, wh- like, why Northern Ireland? What was the, what was the pull?
1: Um, after, after, f- when I lost my football career, or my, my, um, I got severely injured at the age of 19. I, uh, I, I dabbed around, I became a private chauffeur for, for a really wealthy guy. Uh, um, who passed away recently last year. Um, he's, uh, he's been a big inspiration for me as well. He was mad about watches. That's not where my obsession for watches started, by the way, but it it, it basically, um, yeah, it exploded from there, if you know what I mean. But um, I was in between jobs. I didn't finish school um, and, and yeah. What, what age did you move over? I moved over when I was 25. Okay the the day I left on the 21st of August the day after my birthday and I knew I wanted to leave I needed to change my environment I needed to change my my life and my social circle um, and 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 I, I promised my mom and I told my mom that uh, that I would she asked me to leave at least wait for your birthday which was the 20th of August so I left the day after my birthday
0: i i, I hope you don't mind me talking about it but I, from what I've read, like that that injury you had on your knee, I think I think it was it was wanted to be a fairly routine surgery, and you, yeah. and you woke up and then shit had really you know yeah it, it just got lumped on you that actually it wasn't going to work and that the football career was was over. And I've also read that um, it was the it was the first time you saw your old man cry. Yes, do you think yeah. do you think that was that was him kind of realizing that your dream was
1: maybe not going to go in that direction or, or his dream by default? No, because he my my parents never pushed me to do football. Yeah. My parents just. Well, my I don't really come from a background with footballers, although um, one of my um, faraway cousins uh, made it to pro football, not very high, by the way, but um, um, but no, it was ne- he never pushed me to go that direction. It was just something I loved very dearly, and, and when you love something so dearly, I'm the type of person that puts a lot of energy and time in there, and therefore my parents supported me. If I chose ballet, it would be my parents still would support me, right? So um it was just hard to see see a dream there and then yeah, just collapse that. and that's a really hard realization and it was a was a normal routine operation a surgery where they take out or um, take out part of your meniscus or even your full meniscus um with with drilling three holes in in your knee this is on the sides of your knee and um, yeah and um, you didn't, didn't you didn't have a plan B at the time like football was Oh one. no I didn't have plan B football was all That's that's quite
0: that, a lot for a young man to deal with like working working throughout those like formative years to like one one main goal and then yeah, like
1: that But it was the only thing I was good at so it was for me we we didn't like for me, it was always about discipline, right? I wasn't. I was. I, w- I was going to be extremely good in anything I do when I truly love it, yeah. right? But I gonna, <laughs> I would be extremely bad, equally as bad in something if I don't like it, yeah. right? Or if I'm I'm not interested in it. And for football is is the same. And and whenever that collapsed, my world collapsed. And um, yeah, that that is now looking backwards, it's it's been a blessing in disguise because. Um, a lot of my friends, um, also from that time, a lot of them didn't make it, some ma- some did make it, but also friends of mine and I that are footballers, they're at the age of 34, 35, uh, most of them still, when they're retired, they still need to find a job, a job at a certain yeah. point, right? Yeah. And and one of my closest friends, uh, Gareth, Gareth McCauley, he played for, for West Brom, he played for Leicester, <laughs> like... He's done very well for himself financially uh, with football. He doesn't have to go to work. But that problem, like, in your mind, did you... Like, that, there's a difference with not having to work, right? Because your financial situation is solid, but also not. But also, there's a situation mentally. It's the, right? it's the purpose thing, isn't it? It's the purpose there all of a sudden. But so many footballers that I know will have to go back to work for for the financial situation. So looking back, now I'm 35 years old now. Um and this is this is a hard realization. I I am very fortunate that I didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Were you like we like what standard would you have been do You reckon? were you good enough to I would to have I would have I would have not?
1: played uh the Dutch eredivy uh not at the top. Yeah. Not at not at the top, but yeah. but Dutch league, maybe championship level, something like that. I wasn't the biggest talent, you know, I was just the hardest worker. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. And I was, in, and I'm very fiery, if you know what I mean. I, uh, very aggressive, yeah. Yeah. even at that young age, to be honest. Right. So, so,
0: so, so take me back, probably take me back now to like, when did, when did you start being conscious of watches? What did, like, how did that love form? Um,
1: it started at a young age, right? And I, I think this was a moment where, um, this is the young, the the earliest I can recall it, and this was Mallorca on, on the island of Mallorca where I saw someone wearing a Submariner, Rolex Submariner, blue dial, one six six one three LB, sunburst dial. That really popped, and I really. Wanted to know what that was, and I think that, that my journey really started there as earliest. And my first watch I got it when I was sixteen, and, and uh, on my sixteenth birthday, when when my mom and dad took me out to uh, an, an area in the, I think it's in the west of the Netherlands, if I'm correct, it's or the Scythe. I don't want it's a place called Hoermond, and that's an outlet center, and they had a Seiko outlet. And I, my parents couldn't afford a Rolex, obviously, but they were able to. Uh, we were we found a watch there that really resembled a Rolex Day Just, And that was really cool. I still have that watch.
0: It's one of, the, one of the things I was going to ask you was that like Rolex, I think for a lot of people, that first Rolex like symbolizes like the hard work and the effort yeah. and the success and whatever. Was was Rolex that kind of, in, it, it was that initial love?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, but like, at later when you do research you realize how important Rolex has been and how important Rolex is and the people behind Rolex, uh, the Rolex was founded not too far away from here actually from where we are now um, in 1905 and Hans Wilsdorf, how he grew his business from uh, Wilsdorf and Davis to then a rename in, in 1908 uh, to Rolex to then, uh, or 1911 and then moving the company to Switzerland in 1919 there's an incredible story there and, and, and we all look at watches the wrong way, I think, because um, we look at it from a luxury point of view. Um, some of us look at it from a tool perspective, right? It's a proper tool watch, like the watch you're currently wearing, the root beer. Uh, that variation uh, never uh, didn't exist uh, until recent years, but that watch on its own, Was finds its origin in 1950, and it was specifically made for pilots that were flying uh, transatlantic to see two time zones, right? And the watch was never commercially, uh, was not made, was not built uh, to be sold commercially. It was just made for for, uh, the pilots in this case. We're talking about Pan Am in in this case. Um, But we also need to realize that mechanical timekeeping devices is something that is... So important in our history because we wouldn't be able to fly, navigate, nor do anything if it wasn't for timekeeping devices, for navigation purposes or measuring distance, speed and everything. Everything in life, what we do is involved around timekeeping devices. But but you,
0: you didn't you didn't start. By by trade, you started by by repairing. If I'm right,
1: yes. No, I started. I started as an enthusiast, which I'm luckily still am. But I started. Like I love one of the things I was good at at school is listening to history and stories. I just loved that. I love stories. I'm a very creative person. I love to imagine things, and and this is where the watch world is so incredibly. Um, special because watches have a story, right? There's not an industry where brands are still operating today, but they were founded like two centuries yeah, yeah, ago, yeah. like, and they mean another industry where that is the case, right? Right um and and that's what i really really love about watches but therefore i started to learn about watches and i started to write articles about watches and no one picked it up and then i got paid 50 quid to do or 50 euros to do an article or something right and i tried to um work on facebook groups when whenever that started for the first time and then i started repairing watches and then what, what watches what were you repairing um, like anything automatic, right? Yeah. Like I was, it's very easy to take a watch apart, right? That's not difficult. Yeah. The hard part is is putting it, Put it back, back together. together yeah. <laughs> 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 That's yeah. the hard part. So I've made many mistakes in that, and uh, but but it was a good side hustle. You so know? when did you
0: start? When you start in kind of investing in trading and watches? Then
1: trading and watches started at the age of twenty nine, right? When I started an in Instagram account. So you've been been in Ireland for, a, for kind of four years yes. now. So I moved to Ireland uh, at the age of 25 to play football for a, uh, for a local club, and I was going to be paid £1,100, which was a little bit less than I got paid in the Netherlands for a shitty job. But at least I was going to enjoy myself. Yeah, you yeah, see course. what I mean? So that was incredible, and I moved to moved to Northern Ireland. And within a month, I, after the first month, I broke my ankle, and um, this was preseason, and that was that was heartbreaking. And from that moment, I just decided to fuck. Fuck this I can't do this. Yeah yeah. i sorry. Was it was, my, it was
0: it straight into watches or not or did you get No no no, I
1: got some dead end sales jobs because yeah. I met a girl at the time, you know, and um, it, like she was a reason for me to stay. But also I just didn't want to disappoint my father because he said, no, "You're in 6 months you're back or he's back or whatever." And I just wanted to prove prove him wrong, right? And um, yeah, 11, 12 years later I'm still there. Was but, it was
0: it always that pestering thing in the back of your head like I want to be one yes, of watch game
1: Immediately after leaving football, or not? No, no, no. It was just I needed to find. Listen, I never thought it would be possible for me to sell luxury watches, mate. That would have been, that wouldn't be, that that's not in the realm of my capabilities, right? Or where I'm from, right? From where I'm from, that is not normal, right? Luxury is not a thing, right? But it was in the back of my mind that I just wanted to. Prove something to my parents. I move country. I don't care what happens. I am not coming back for help. I'm not coming back to this. I'm changing my life here right now, right, right there. And uh, um, that was one of the big, big motivation. Another motivation to stay was um, was I met a girl. Not very good. Um, in Belfast, you had call centers where your only requirement of skill is speaking a certain language. Now, I'm very fortunate that I still that I spoke that I speak Dutch oh, because yeah. that's so valuable and very useful. For those who don't notice that was sarcastic. Um, <laughs> um, uh, so I, I got dead end sales jobs and I got fired from that within three weeks or four weeks. Why?
0: It, just clash your personalities?
1: Clash or, or, yeah. or like I'm not an easy person yeah. to like. I, I'm just not an easy person, yeah.
0: right? Because it goes back to what you were saying a second ago. Is that like when you're passionate about something, you are full send at that. Oh point. yeah, absolutely. When you're not
1: passionate about it, oh. forget it. I just needed to make some money, right? That that's what I needed to get by and figure out what the next move was. Again, I was repairing watches at the time, but that was a side hustle. I was making three, four hundred quid a a month for that, right? So that was all right. And with the salary I got, I I had an all right life, right? And then I had the possibility. So a Dutch guy sent me an email, sent me a message on LinkedIn that he's building a sales team in Dublin for Vodafone. And I was like, right, this is brilliant, done. But I live in Belfast, that's Dublin, right? My missus at the time, she lived, uh, she's from an area called Bambridge County Down, which was closer to the border. Got the job, and I got, I'll never forget this, 30,000 euros, and that was the biggest salary I ever got, right? A year, yeah. right? And... Uh, we moved because of that to Bambridge from where her parents were, right? And she was in medical school in Belfast. So that was a bit, she had to commune, I had to commune. But I drove every single day from Bambridge County down to Dublin, Carrick Mines, Junction 15 on the M50 for four years, for three and a half years, right? And that was in the beginning, first year, it's all right, you're doing well. And it's also the first time I kept a job for longer than a year, to be honest, because the guys in the team, that were there, they just allowed me to work in my strength. Right? And just let me be, Nico will do well, and I've always you, done were you, well. Were you good at that? Worked hard. Yeah, yeah. I was a good sales guy yeah, at the time, yeah. I was a best turn for my manager at the time, but uh, listen, I brought in the numbers and yeah, they course. were building something and I was able to have my small impact on, on that team. And it felt like I was a part of something for the first time, uh, bar football. Uh, so first time in my working career. Which I'm very grateful for, and but after three and a half years driving two hours one way, so four hours a day in a car, I couldn't do it anymore. And watches was my was my side hustle. It's always been my side hustle. I I just like I can't do this any longer. I just can't. I it's like I drove in the office and it was there a moment. It's like if this is life, fuck that. I don't want anything yeah. to do with it. But it,
0: but it wasn't like the watch side hustle was growing to a
1: stage. No. Where you yeah. No, it wasn't growing at all. and Because keep in mind, right, I left every day at 6 a.m. for me to be in the office at quarter to 8, right? And I left, and I was allowed to leave a little bit earlier, so I left quarter past 4. But on the way back, it was busier, so I was always home at quarter to 7, right? Now that is intense, yeah. right? That's very intense. A quarter to 7, and then you need to spend time with, with your partner, and then we had two dogs, and it's it was... Like I didn't have a life and I'd done that for 30,000 euros and then you need to minus the fuel cost, the cost of your car and uh, it was just, it didn't make any sense. So you basically left your work with no plan B. Now the funny bit is, I never told my missus this, right, Uh, at the time and she was graduating medical school so you got a job, right, as an F1 doctor and I think her first uh, job at the time was I think it was the emergency department, right? And whenever she got her first job, I was the one that paid the bills, right? I literally quit my job yeah. there and then. I walked in that morning, and I didn't realize this, right? I didn't, didn't plan this. I was like, fuck. I, I made comments through the years as a joke to her. It's like, whenever you get a, whenever you're qualified and you, 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 you get the job, um, I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to go back to uni, or I'm going to do what I love. <laughs> Whatever. there was always jokes, right? But there was this morning, not not planned. I swear, not even planned. We I drove in um, the car park, and you go down uh, in the car park, and I was like, "I'm not, I'm not doing this any longer. I'm just done. I'm done with it. I'm absolutely done with it." And yeah, that's that's the day that morning. I I spent thirty minutes in the office. Done. Yeah, yeah. I was done. And you realised straight away that which oh. is what's going to be the full time thing. Yes. Or, yeah. 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 How did it start? Uh, Instagram account yeah uh, Instagram account I opened and I yeah, and, and this was this was selling was not repairing anymore this no, is this just was selling. selling but also repairing as a service but I opened an Instagram account and I started talking about watches and I have my first video still here do you remember the, the first watch you sold
0: yes what was it
1: now there's three there oh. right so it's either Tom Gannon you know fulfill protein bars uh, yeah, of course yeah. I did. Yeah, so course Tom course. Gannon started that, right? Yeah. And Tom Gannon is a good friend of mine still. It was a Brettling Nevi timer, and I posted a photo on my Instagram, time for Fulfill. I swear to God, if I go to my archives yeah, now, you'll, yeah. you'll find it, yeah. right? It's not public. But Tom Gannon, uh, he started Fulfill Bar, sold uh, sold uh, or done incredibly well, and bought his first luxury watch. He paid €2,500 for that watch. So Tom, if you're watching, sorry, but that is... Funny story, right? Full circle now, because he, he still helps us with the business today. Yeah. He just saw a young guy that yeah. just had an Hustling, ambition, right? Yeah. So uh, And he's <laughs> now involved. Uh, not, not financially involved, but he is, uh, I want him, he's going to get a seat on the board, and um, he's just involved. Uh, yeah. Funny how that full circle goes. And a, and, a, and a guy from Dublin, I think his name was Connor, bought a Tudor Pelagos on a rubber strap. These were the first two. Where, where did you buy the watches off in the first place? Where were they? eBay. I bought them on eBay and I bought one watch from um, uh, an auction house. Yeah. Right. Let me show you a photo. This was the. This was Tom. This was on the 13th of October, 2017. That's Tom Gannon and me. Oh, real. <laughs> and that was the Tudor Pelagos I sold. And that's the 7th of October, so Tom wasn't the first. That was the 7th of October.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you, if, you, if you, I mean, if you're allowed to say to give me a sense of like ha, how it works, what kind of margins were you were you taking on the on the bid offer
1: spread? I know I lost money on the Rolex and a good bit, right? <laughs> And I lost money on a AP Jewel I bought after. I think I made fifty quid on the Tudor or something, and about a hundred quid or something on the on the Bradley. So you've got to do quite a lot
0: of volume at that kind of scale to actually make it work.
1: And yeah, but I didn't have volume, and I didn't make any money for for a very long time. Yeah.
0: Was there any any like I because I imagine nowadays with like the rise of frauds and fakes or whatever, was there any people worried about you know who's this guy that's selling me a watch? Yeah, no. Back I, of this car or?
1: I was always surprised about that. Right, and um. I came to the conclusion that people in Northern Ireland are very gullible, right? And in my, this, this, <laughs> genuinely, and it's not a bad thing, right? Honestly, I only had good intentions, yeah. right? So I'm extremely grateful that people were gullible, but I'm a foreigner in a country that isn't mine, selling watches out of the boot of my car. Yeah. Like, if I was a bad guy, I could have sold a, a, a fake Crap watch, right? Guy, yeah. You see what I mean? But like, course, we never had the intention, but were like- you, Were you worried about, was it a security issue at the time, driving around No, like, but in Belfast, it's safe, mate. Yeah, yeah. What do, you, what do you
0: think about the rise in, in I mean, especially in London, like of, of, of like unbelievable watch theft?
1: Yeah, that is, that's an absolute, that's insanity, mate. It's absolutely insanity. Um, and- Because I, I feel like everyone speaks, you literally cannot wear a nice watch around right no, central London. I, I've been in a situation yeah. where this gentleman here, was present yeah right yeah gareth you can confirm this i'll just say this the way it was right we were having a good time at a sorry this is not my missus watches this but we went to a strip club um and i forgot the name of it and it was with a good two good friends of mine right and um um we brought our videog- videographers with us yeah. right because Yeah, we had a great success. We finished a really good video. Uh, It was uh, the mystery box video. Um, Hard work, a lot of preparation in that, right? Uh, We finished the video and um, we went to celebrate to a bar. and we ended up in a strip club. These guys, the videographers hated it, didn't want to go and stood outside or whatever the fuck they were doing, right? And uh, uh, never forget, there's a good friend of mine. Quite late in the evening, quite late in the night, went out to grab a what was it? A bar, yeah, a sprite and a crunchy across the road, right? And sat down, set himself on the um, on the curb and sit down there. And then yeah, the strip club there, right? And there was this group of guys starting to surround him, right? And at that moment, I walked up, walked from the stairs up to have a cigarette, and I see this happening, and one is pulling his arm, and the only thing I could, could think of is sprint and just run in yeah, that group, yeah. and just scream and do whatever. That's yeah. my mate. You're not. It's not happening on my watch, yeah, right? Yeah. It's not on. The, we're happening. <laughs> so I went absolutely mental, and I remember you standing outside, <laughs> and everyone thought I was a lunatic. But these guys, they, they they made, they were shocked then i grabbed my mate and, and literally dragged him to the entrance and where there was security they got, no where they, where they dragged where they, were in front of security so what happened then was more dangerous than that moment because they realized what i've done i've just cost them a rolex and Mariner, right yeah. and they started waiting waiting for us out. so we got a warning that we uh, we were warned it's like we'll get all securities on the side they yeah. literally were waiting for me uh, to literally chop my head off or whatever the f- they wanted to do and uh, so they had a taxi right in front they had security on the side so no one could walk in and then we were draw, draw, draw. Yeah. so a mad story right a mad story about about London and danger for, other than that scenario what I just like we always have and nowadays we have always security with me right Um, when we when we carry valuables right and um, it also depends where we go etc but Laura my assistant is very good at that so she plans that out but the the key here is is like it's horrendous that people can't even wear their watches and it will have a big it has a big impact on our industry and it will have a lasting impact if and it's easy to complain about something if you don't have a solution for it right but i don't know what the solution is why in other countries is it possible is it is it is it is it less bad as as than it is in london because london is the crime capital in the watch world and across the entire world i've, right? got, I've got an amazing story here. graham and i are walking back from a client meeting right
0: about eight o'clock at night and we get back to the office outside and there's an unmarked police car holding a bloke up against the wall right and we're feeling a little bit nosy so we come inside we get our bags uh, we go back outside and we're walking down. I don't know if you noticed some of the squares just down right. opposite, opposite the office. And uh, one of the policemen starts following us and we're like, oh God, we'll turn around and see what's up. Uh, and he says, well, look, well, there's just, just around the corner. She's been a watch theft, four guys. They've all run in different directions. We can't find the watch on this guy, but he might have thrown it somewhere. Right. I was wearing a nice watch at the time. So just thinking, oh, whatever. Anyway, next morning, walking to the office about oh, it'd be like 5 a.m. ish. And... I will never ever ever know why I look down into a it was like a basement of a ah. flat, right? And I look down and there's a watch I can just see, right? And I hop over the fence, jump down, it's probably like six foot down, and I'm not like massively into watches, right? And I picked it up, and that is what I picked 57 up.
1: 5726. But Philippe that? Nautilus. That's insane. Right.
0: So I picked this watch up, right? Okay. And I'm walking back to the office and I'm I'm like shaking. Okay. Ah. I'm shaking. I'm like this is, this is mental. So I, I call up the police because I thought, well, do we call Patek or do we call the police? Uh. Anyway, I called 111 and they said, we'll have a detective with you in the next 10 minutes. And bear in mind, this is like 5.30 in the morning. Okay, so someone arrives at the office and he takes out his backpack and starts swabbing my mouth to make sure, I don't know what it's for, to, to, to make sure maybe it's not me. And he says, look, this is like mind blowing. If we can get it back to the guy, then great. Anyway, next day I get a call from a random bloke and he says, I've just been given my watch back by the police. I want to come and see you, okay? So the guy comes to the office here. He's like a 75-year-old Pakistani bloke. He grew up in the slums in Pakistan. He started a a clothing business, a textile business. employs like 6,000 people, and he got his watch back, and he got his patek back.
1: Fucking right. That's unbelievable. (laughs) How about about that? That is an unbelievable story, and fair play, fair play for doing that. that. I hope you've done a good deal with him after, no? Sadly not. Oh, Sadly not.
0: But anyway, anyway. So right. So 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 you're selling watches in the back of your car. Yeah. Where does Pride and opinion come come into play here? How do things so, formalise?
1: So I started a, started an Instagram account called Watch NI um, WatchNI.co.uk. Funny enough, my father actually noticed that when you do Watch NI, which is called Watch Northern Ireland, right? Because every business in Northern Ireland put NI behind their name, Invest NI, yeah. This NI. It's funny, right? So I thought I'll do that. But I'm very creative. Watch NI. Whatever, but if you then look at the url dot uk, you see watch Nico.uk.
0: uk, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: and I'm like, yeah. I didn't even notice. Yeah. My father actually came up with that, right? He's like, you, so fun, how have you done that? And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. like, there's your name in there. I was like, what? Yeah. I never knew. So that's quite funny. Um, in 2019, we changed the name to Pride and Pinion because, listen, I've never been really ambitious enough. I've because. With the background with everything I'd done, everything always failed. I was like, you know what? I want to do this and I'm going to make sure I'm going to make a living out of this, but I'll see wherever we end. And and about after the first year of struggle, of hustle, of everything, I just realized, I'm like, we can actually do something here. And um, yeah, yeah,
0: and and, and with, I imagine the watches were getting more premium as you were kind of going along. Yes,
1: exactly. So the prices were growing. We started making started making. My, as I said we. It was just me and someone else at a certain point uh, that that I employed. Uh, and and yeah, it was like I found my I found my niche and finally doing something that is that is that is going well. And and you were selling them mostly through Instagram at the time or not? Yeah, 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 yeah. Instagram and Chrono Twenty Four at the time where Chrono Twenty Four still uh, charged two percent. They know really they're they they're not very good at the moment. they they've been horrendous the last two two years with dealers and end consumers. To be honest, um, a pl- platform that I think will will die very soon if they don't watch out. Um, but um, yeah, through Chrono twenty four, sometimes an eBay ad or whatever, in any means possible to sell a watch. I was doing it right. And in 2019, April 2019, I changed the name to Pride Opinion. Um, and I thought it was a cool name. Pride uh, Opinion is a part of a movement, part of an, an engine as well, by the way. Um, and uh, yeah, cool logo. And I was, was happy. I was like, this is inspired on Patek Philippe with the two Ps. And the crown looks like the Rolex crown. It's just, it looks the bollocks, right? So I was like, I'm happy with this. And from here, we're gonna move forward. And um, a good, he became a good client of mine. Um, that owned several hotels ac- across in, in the country in Dublin as well. He uh, bought a, I believe it was a vintage Explorer, or it was an Omega uh, Aquaterra World Timer. He bought both, but I don't know which one was first. And I just, I just asked him the question. I like, I would love to create a boutique in hotels thinking he was going to say no yeah whatever good story mate give me my watch Mm. he says yeah let's do it let me speak with my father next week done done and dusted and I was like wow incredible
0: this is kind of 2019 so this is about a year before COVID yeah
1: just that year before COVID and I was like yeah let's do this barely any money in the bank account but whatever I was like yes Oh, and I'll figure it out. Uh, we'll figure it out later. This yeah. is how I go through life. I still do today. Yeah. Bought a Ferrari, not a penny on the bank account. I'll <laughs> see whatever. We'll, we'll end up. we we'll, yeah. we'll end up well somewhere, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, unbelievable.
0: So, so so COVID hits. I've read that you pretty much sold half of your. Oh stock yeah, no, I sold everything. I sold like m-
1: more than fifty percent what I what I owned at the time, and and that was quite heavy. But you were selling at losses or not? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I sold. I offered. I remember this very well because I offered to a, a guy in London, Luke Stafford. Um, um, they have pawn shops, Charles Fish, I think it's called, here in London. Um, offered him a Green Daytona, yeah. yellow gold, oh, oh, oh. for twenty four thousand pounds. What they now hundred ish or not? No, nah, they but they were hundred twenty, but then they're, they're now back to about seventy. But um, and now twenty four thousand pounds, and he said no because it, no one was buying. Yeah. and How quickly
0: did you realize that was going to oh, flick?
1: Mate. That was the scariest thing, because all of a sudden I stock. And I had Madeline, that was my admin, and Michael was my sales guy. So I had two staff, right? And um, so for me, it was very important that we still have a business in the end, but I need to pay these guys, right? So I sold off half the stock at mad losses. Yeah. I kept the Greendale Daytona, but other stuff that we ha- that I had, I sold at mad losses. And I remember I had £90,000 on the bank. And I was like, okay, this is good. Done. Spoke with our accountant, Ryan. All good. And this is so many months. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. And about a few days later, furlough was announced. And I was like, I'm extremely grateful that I get support now. Yeah. But what if yeah, <laughs> it was yeah, yeah, yeah. a few days earlier, yeah. you know? How, how quickly did you stop buying buying stock back? Um, I didn't buy any stock back. Sure. No, I just I just stopped it there. Yeah. Business stopped there. Furlough was announced. I was able to pay the staff, and I had about 120 grand on the bank. And I went to bed, and I didn't come out of my bed for a week. I was like, I'm done. I'm just done. I'm just... I don't know if I can fight this fight. I was locked in a uh, in a house and I was very fortunate. I had a house with uh, a lot of land on the outside, but like I was alone. Yeah. Right? What was going through your head? All sorts of things. Like, I mean, not not great. You're alone. Like I had two dogs, I just split up with my partner uh, after a 6-year relationship. It was tough. It was very tough. And um yeah, that was that was a dark period and it's the period where um, where I also made the best decision uh, to date one of the best decisions is this, is this the date. hiring of Steven or not yeah yeah, yeah. tell that me about was. that so after a week of being feeling sorry for myself right um, which by the way you shouldn't be doing right because it, it's a load of bollocks um, man up and deal with problems head on And don't feel sorry for yourself. That's a big learning what I've done. I called Steven and Steven worked for Goldsmiths. He was a shop manager at Goldsmiths, right? And there was a few shops. He he helped a few shops and he ran a few shops, right? And um, because of my line of business and opened the shop, we spoke uh, with each other quite regularly on Instagram. And I walked in the show, came into Goldsmiths a good few times when we had to service a watch or repair something. Uh, They would send it to the brand. You know what I mean, right? And I always made this joke, when are you joining, when are you joining. Done this for about a year, right, where we made this joke. And he says, ah, oh, let's talk, let's talk. And um, I called him and um, I, could, I, th- I don't know if it's the ev- it was the evening because the next morning he came. I called him in the evening and I was like, right, this is over. Fuck this, Amy Weiss- Winehouse, I'm not feeling, I was listening to Amy Winehouse. Back to, back to black. Yeah, yeah. What an incredible album, by the way. Um, and stopped feeling sorry for myself. And and, and I called Stephen. He says, now, come the next morning, and we'll see. We'll see. We'll figure it out. And um, he broke, uh, what do you call that? You weren't you weren't allowed to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, he broke that. He came to me that morning because he knew it was serious. So, yeah. And I was serious. And I was just like, I just I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I showed him the bank account. I says, listen, Stephen, I know it's a big risk for you. You have a young family with, uh, with that time, Anna. um, And he wasn't, she wasn't pregnant yet from the second. Um, And I know you have a steady job and it's a corporate environment, whatever. I can't get, I'm not giving you any guarantees. I can't promise you anything. I can offer you the same salary and we'll see what it is. This is the bank account. This is how much I have. Let's jump in this, and he said, "Surprisingly, yes, that's the quality of a good sales guy, yeah, right?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't alone anymore for the first time, right? Because that was that was tough. He uh, he not just re restructured our business. He was another set of eyes, and he was another sales guy, is he, is and he was another very different personality. Oh, anymore? he's he's very it, calm, very collective, yeah. very. He can be an absolute mad one, by the way, but he's a he's a he's a incredibly incre. He's everything I'm not, yeah. and I'm everything he yeah, isn't, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So he is he's very sort of cautious. He's very cautious. He's very calculated, and I'm an absolute bulldozer yeah. that that just born a china shop. That's me. Yeah. Um, but I just I just push people to the absolute ca- maximum capabilities. Yeah. Uh, like I push myself, and uh, I think that that really helps Stephen as well, opening up because um, I see a different Stephen now than I've seen before, where he always said, "Ah, stuff is difficult." It's like we're gonna do it. How, cool. how did
0: how did things start picking up from there?
1: Um, we had a we had someone in the business, and he um, he saw things that I didn't see. We started rebuilding. Um, we started thinking about ways of marketing we needed a good website and and we needed to because the shop was closed right that's in the merchant hotel which is hospitality was closing first and uh, every other shop and every other competitor that we had were open but we were closed because hospitality was closed um, so we had to find alternative ways and use instagram and show that we were delivering watches to people and just go the extra mile right and, and, and just having fun in the meantime while you do that, right? This is key. And, and, and add value because this is what people always forget. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to make a shit ton of money. Like, yeah, one second. doesn't work like that. Yeah. You're going to start a business. You're going to add value. And if you add enough value, you get paid properly, right? That's how it works. Was, it, was this the start of the YouTube channel or not? This was the start of the YouTube channel. I didn't believe in that at all. Uh, but, um, yeah, yeah. Second idea. The first I the one idea I didn't believe in, I always say, is the one idea I didn't believe in. Turned out to be the idea that saved my business in the end, uh, because it gave us another chance it gave us a marketing venue, and and it was was incredible. Does it does it does it seem a little
0: bit surreal to know that like you have, because, because I suppose there wasn't really anyone anyone's footsteps to follow in that YouTube game. No, like like you're the most famous
1: watchman on the planet. That's bizarre. Like yeah, that's that is that yeah. pretty mental to get your head around. Sometimes and I'm yeah. I'm glad I'm glad I have people around me that put me with both feet on the ground. I like to think that I'm a very humble person anyway. But sometimes I just like I'm uh, I'm I'm still a bit me, right? <laughs> and uh, but I know I know I know what we've done to get where we are today, and I know my journey from where I started, and I know my. I'll never, never forget where I come from. So I, I, I remember that. But it's a crazy realization that not just in the watch industry, but in other industries, people just recognize me all of a sudden, being recognized on the street all the how, time. How quickly did it start
0: picking up? Like, did you know? Was it very, very immediate? Suddenly, people watching nah, like, stuff. like, uh, was it a
1: builder? We were, of course, it, the media started growing, and and the views started getting in. It's, it didn't get recognized from. the... From the beginning, I don't know when this started, maybe about a year after. Someone recognized you, and then you're hanging out with this YouTuber, and then these people recognize yeah. you, and then started growing. Now in London, I get several on the airport, on the airplane, four times a year there. I love it, right? Because I wouldn't be here without them, right? That's the fun, fun part. But as well, it's the recognition. For something that we've worked on for so long i've been ridiculed most of my life for my hobby and now i'm being recognized for it so that's quite cool um and then a, a crazier stat is nearly half a billion views like this bizarre right this is views it's not in imp- views yeah. like that is that these are stats there that, that are absolutely insane and for me i'm just i uh, it was kevin hart we're, we're gonna do a tv show with kevin hart with heartbeat productions yeah. So we've got a lot in touch with them and stuff like that. And he mentioned as well, the biggest drug in the world is not cocaine, yeah. it's fame. Yeah. Because whenever you have it, you're scared of losing it. And that is something I feel sometimes. But on the other hand, I'm like, nothing will go wrong. We're Everything is calculated now. Everything is planned. We're going to work our bollocks off. We're all always going to work harder than the, than the previous person. It's, it's
0: a funny one, right? Because it's an industry that comes with, especially at the top end, like... The planes, the cars, the yeah. celebrities. Like, have you have you found it hard to stay grounded at all, or do you have moments where you go, "Oh, shit, this is"?
1: I would like to say no. I would like to say I give time to everyone, and my people around me say you give too much time to everyone, right? Um, By the way, thank you for coming on the podcast. you ah, see, <laughs> um, but no, that like for me, if you make a promise and I made a promise to your business partner, I, I keep it, right? Even if it's a podcast or whatever. Yeah. Keep your promises. Um, and for, like, I like to say, think that I don't find it difficult to stay grounded. Now, maybe some people around me would say different. I don't know. Uh, but I have a great people around me, mate, that will put me back where I belong. Don't you worry. And uh, um, yeah, that is uh, that's Belfast for you as well, by the way. Because I don't really get asked for photos or anything in Belfast. Right, because it's Belfast, whatever. Yeah. Right, in Belfast they don't care, but in London or other cities yeah. or whatever, it's completely different. Yeah. It's yeah. funny, like so, like outside of watches, obviously into
0: cars as well. Yeah. Congrats on the new eight twelve GT. Thank you, thank unbelievable. you, unbelievable. Um, is that is that, because it's an industry that's kind of similar to watches in many yeah. senses, right? It's that purist, that passion. Like, have yeah. you have you always been to cars as well? Yes. Yes, never was able to afford it, but
1: yeah. always loved it, right?
0: If if, if if Ferrari and because you got a G-Wag as well, haven't you? Yeah, G sixty three. If you got yeah. if you got Ferrari and Mercedes as watch brands, what are they?
1: I think I think I saw some stupid video from someone recently. I was like, okay. that's that's no. So you have that. You need to compare hyper with hyper, right? right. So Rolex, you see a lot of Rolexes on the street, yeah. right? I would say Rolexes and Mercedes. Yeah right? Ferrari is a little bit more special, it's a little bit more f- f- thought through and whatever. I would actually argue to say that Rolex is BMW because it's more hated, right? But Tech Philippe would be considered BMW, right? Which I think. And they have uh, Pagani is the hyper car, yeah, so you yeah. have the hyper watch, Richard Mille, or Gribble 4 or stuff like that. I, th- I think that that would be a, a better uh, a better comparison. That's, that's nice. And he, um, Young baby as well? Yes, seven months old, junior. How,
0: what's, what's that process been like with work and, and kind of this new thing in your life that's like massively, massively I am, important? I'm
1: very fortunate that my partner is is very supportive, right? Because I'm not going to be away again. I was home for a week, right? And then I'm traveling. Now I'm traveling for about two weeks. I'm going to do about nine countries, a lot of deals going on, uh, YouTube stuff, events, etc. right? But like I say, my missus has been very supportive, but we've been very clear from the start Right. If we do child, if we get, if we start with children, I cannot be the father. You, uh, I should be, right? Uh, I can only be there a very limited time, and I, we've managed this from the start. We said, I've said this from the start. We agreed on this from the start, and it's all about open, open communication, and it works brilliant. People just say, "How do you get away with that? With traveling so much and being all over the place?" I'm like. Because we talked about this, we managed this accordingly from the start. It's tough for me, and I find it more difficult than she finds it. Because although she is nearly a, a single parent uh, from time to time, I found it this morning I left. I found it very, very difficult, and I'm not finding it any going any easier. I'm not gonna lie. It's
0: funny. That our last guest spoke about this like, idea of work life work life balance, and he he kind of said don't believe in it doesn't exist
1: No, it doesn't exist yeah no yeah. and if it does exist you're not working working hard enough yeah. or you've already made uh, it. do you
0: think your purpose has changed now you've got now you've got a, a you know a young little boy do you, do you think yeah.
1: that, do you think are you working for him now is it like legacy I don't work for myself my life is not mine anymore it's it's my responsibility to set the example rather than then giving someone advice because advice is easy given but setting the right example is more difficult right? And this is the same in business and whatever. If you think that if you're a captain on a ship and a ship is considered a business and if you can't sail your ship, therefore your business out of a storm, you shouldn't be a captain. You should be a sailor, right? So um, it's very, very clear to understand that perspective, right? My business, my, me, my life is not mine anymore. It's my. It's now for my children. She's pregnant again. Fantastic, right? There's, a, there's something. And uh, so I'm going to have two Congrats. boys very soon. Congrats. Thank you very much. Another Ferrari. Another uh, Ferrari, <laughs> for fuck's <laughs> sake. But no, um, for me, it's very important to set the example, right? And, and luckily, in my situation, a lot of my stuff has been documented, right? Which hopefully my kids uh, can look back to and say, okay, this is what he's done for us. Of course, there's a bit selfishness in there. And I want to, I love this the attention, I love the fame, but whatever. Um, it's not about me anymore. I'm not taking the same risks anymore. I'm not the same person than I was a year ago, which is really random. I, I noticed this. I'm, I'm more cautious, which which can be a downside as well, to be honest, but I'm trying to figure out the balance yes, here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one, right? Because you wouldn't think that meeting
0: someone like yourself, who is now the most known watch person in the world, mm. It like you speak to you for twenty minutes and it genuinely feels
1: like you're literally just getting started. Yes. Do, do you and feel do you feel that? I am. Yeah. Because it's we're nowhere near the we're nowhere near the potential that where we are. Keep in mind we're um I'm I own hundred percent of Pride and Pinion, and Pride and Pinion is one of the biggest names now in the industry. Names, right? Doesn't mean businesses. Names. It's one of the most well known names in our industry and and i fight against conglomerates i'm market leader on the uh, on the island of ireland and i'm probably in the top 5 in the uk right and again i'm sole shareholder there's no conglomerates there's no corporate structure there we have the potential to be absolutely one of the biggest in our industry in the world period right the funny bit is watchbox gets an investment or invest or 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 draws investors in for 500 million and blah 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 and they've lost a clean fortune we're a very lean business last year we've done 24 26 times our balance sheet right and that is that is it's credits to steve and credits to my team credits to everyone involved there but we're very creative. We never, we never, we never complain about the resources. We are resourceful. We'll find a way, right? And and finding that balance and and seeing the business now, everything is coming together now with a great office, with a great infrastructure, with a great CRM system. We're collecting data left, right, and center. We're building for the future, right? It's not about putting. Listen. It's not about transactional profit right now. It's important to keep the to keep the ship afloat, right? But it's about the long game, right? It's about the where we where we where we're going to be in ten years and um, uh, I, where I in previous scenarios in life never was not ambitious enough. Um, I don't even think that I'm ambitious enough and say that we should be and we are gonna be the market leaders in this side of the, this side of the world. Yeah, most definitely.
0: It's it's a weird one, Nico, because like you know you're... you're you're, you're clearly a visionary, right? You wouldn't be in the position you're in without being a visionary. But also from what you just said there, you actually, you're, you're in the details as well. Has that yeah. been like, it? because lots of people don't actually enjoy that. They're either the, the blue sky, big picture guy, or they're the nitty gritty kind of details. Like, do you, Have you become more detailed oriented? Have I you, had to, because yeah, if yeah.
1: I can't answer a question uh, about my business, you don't control your business. Right. right? Yeah. And I noticed today on a phone call that, I couldn't answer a question and I was pissed off at myself because it, may, it meant like it was something simple, right? And our processes are not always perfect. And that really annoys me. And then I look back and then we need to fix this, right? But I think it's not because I'm really on point with or really on the ball with everything because I've been fortunate with Stephen. I can let that go, right? And the nitty gritty, it's not my quality. I'm not going to lie. I'm a visionary, and I push people to the max, and I push my business and and everyone around me to to the max of their capacities. And I think I'm very good at that. I had to do the nitty gritty because I started the business from scratch. I have this idea, this vision. Stephen finds it sometimes very annoying, but it is what it is. But there's things that you just when it's your business when you started something from the, from scratch, and it's and it's just not aligned with what one of the reasons why you started but there is logic behind it. it it's just very frustrating right but um i i need to learn how to let go but for me i'm still on a journey i'm learning every day as an entrepreneur i've never ran a company before um so uh, yeah it's, it's incredible yeah it's incredible
0: looking back at the story i want to know if there were any pivotal moments that you look back on and go that moment was, I mean, maybe bringing Steven on, like that was, that was a really big moment. But like, I mean, it's it's funny how life works. Probably the injuries that you had playing football or that final career-ending injury, that was probably the one of the biggest moments that's led to the success of Pride and Pinion. Are there any, I mean, do you agree with that? Do you think there are any others that like real, real significant
1: times? I I think there's not just moments, there's people involved, right? The people I've met, the people that supported me, the people in Northern Ireland that trusted me, although I wouldn't have trusted that Foreigner that lived in a country that wasn't mine, that sold this expensive watch for a cheaper price. Like I mean, everything coming together makes it makes makes a system work, and and the support I've got from the people in Northern Ireland uh, was just insane. I'm not, I'm I'm I would actually argue to say that if I started my business anywhere else, I would have failed because I would have never gone past. Level two, if you know what I mean, because the support I got was unbelievable, and and yeah, there's moments in where you're making decisions as a captain of a ship, um, and some moments are good, some decisions are good, sometimes are aren't as good, but the most important decisions I had to make were the deci- were were right decisions, yeah. and 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 you only know that. You look backwards, and Steve Jobs uh, was the famous saying: "You can only connect the dots looking backwards." Um, and and that just keeps on creeping in my mind. Things happen for a reason, fact, but you need to put your heart and soul on something. And I'm just, I'm sad to sometimes. See people they want something, but they do the half arsed right. And uh, I I put myself in a situation without. Uh, Without a possibility of return, so the point of no return, and that's the moment you need to give it your all, dedication, and 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 every every minute of the day you have, and that that is what I've sacrificed, and um, I've sacrificed everything to get to this point where I am today, and um, yeah, now it's it's for us time. I call this pride and opinion 3.0, where we're gonna bring the business to the next level, right? Where everyone is is. Watching the economy and and being very careful, we're going full throttle and we're going faster what, than ever. What, what would
0: seventeen or eighteen year old Nico think of the Nico that's sitting here right today?
1: I would, I would, I wouldn't believe, uh, I wouldn't believe that in any way, shape, or form. No, I, I would like that's not possible. That's a joke. What are you talking about? I'm, all, I've always been a clown, right? I've always been a joker and fun and whatever, um, but now. Like, I never thought that I could carry a responsibility as, as big as we have now. We have a lot of mouths to feed. There's a lot of families that depends on our business. And that's now my responsibility. And, and, and I never thought that I would ca- be able to carry that responsibility. Yeah. But um, it, it is, like, tremendously,
0: tremendously admirable, honestly, mate. What, like watching what you've done over the last five, ten years is, is I mean, it is insane. It is insane. I, I appreciate that very much, but we've seen nothing yet there we go that's it that's it two more things right the first one is I know your time is 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 massively squeezed and I know you're off very shortly we wanted to do something just to say yeah. thank you so we got a little something made for you I'll show oh it to the look at first. that I'll show it's the camera first that is that's insane just, that's just a little thank you for, for for coming in today
1: that's insane um I really appreciate that
0: you're very welcome you're very welcome you're very welcome.
1: really really cool
0: and I want to ask you one last question. We normally ask, I guess, kind of philosophical questions, whatever it's yeah. the last one, but I want to ask you one question, right? Yeah. 50 grand, three watches, what are you buying?
1: Um, I don't think I need 50 grand, but I'll, uh, um, for me, it's important that we look at history, right? Because history has taught us a lot of things, but history is also the reason why we are, where we, why we are in the situation where we are today. Right, so you always need to honor that, right? So, of course, a Rolex Submariner, because that is the most important watch in the one of the most important watches in the world set the standard for many other watch brands. But also, was a proper tool um, from 1953 onwards. That was the one to go to watch if you were a diver, if you were um, in any way, shape, or form doing a dangerous job. These these watches have been on risk on people that saved the world. We're talking about soldiers, military issued submariners that have saved a lot of people from bad situations. So, a Rolex Submariner, Omega Speedmaster, because that's a very, very important watch for the uh, space travel. Um, one of the things Hans Wilsdorf and Rolex couldn't uh, get sorted is winning that battle at the with the chronograph at the time. Omega was a better, better that was a better watch at the time. Uh, Than the Cosmograph because it wasn't called Daytona. Uh, Daytona was introduced in 1963. Prior to that, or 1960, yeah, 19. The, the shape Daytona was 1963, um, but prior to that, Cosmograph. That's why there's Cosmograph on the Daytona. So that's a very important one. And then I would always say um, you want a dress watch with that, and either something clas- classic, like. Uh, a watch from the longest running watch company in the world, Fashion Constantine. I think that that, that, is, that is, with 50K, that is, that's fantastic. So you have history, you have importance. You can argue, say, name is, take a Santos, but I think the, the, the Santos line, it, it's got nothing to do with, with, with history anymore. Um, like, this is what automotive brands actually should do as well, embrace their history. I'm a big Porsche guy, so the 964 Aye. is like the, the all yeah. that resto mod thing is, is, is my I was talking with uh, one of the guys high up in Mercedes, he says, what would your ideal car be? What, what do you think Mercedes should do? I said, you need to re- bring back any e, like your old 250 uh, E, yeah, yeah. but then that design, but making it in a, into an electric car. That's how you sell your electric yeah. cars because you're... Lambert kind of done that with the Quintash, haven't
0: they? The new yeah, Quintash.
1: Yeah, but that that electric thing, S-Class or whatever the hell they call it, that yeah. looks horrendous. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I... Yeah, it's funny. So I, I say, why do you need to make an electric car ugly? Yeah. There's no point. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, look, Nico, honestly, uh,
0: massive, massive thank you for coming on. No, appreciate um, it. Appreciate, appreciate your you.
1: time and, and let's do it
0: again. Fantastic. Yeah? Thank you, mate. Thank you. Nick. Thank you. Yeah.